0: Hi all, welcome to Piano Writers and Works. My name is Holly Harland and in today's episode is the Founding Father. In late March 1685 in Eisenach, Germany, Johann Sebastian Bach was born. We don't know the actual date, as the first German census wasn't until two centuries later. So we reckon he was around about the 31st of March. He came from a family of musicians, as believed his father taught him violin. From personal experience, being surrounded by music has a significant impact on oneself. But to be taught by your own father the instrument that he also plays to a high standard must have been somewhat intimidating at a time where there was only a handful of occupations, mostly labour, blacksmiths, shoemakers, tailor, butcher, baker, that he was going into a position, an occupation, that wasn't highly circulated with people. However, his first training as a musician was with the violin and was mentored by his father to give him the educational training that was needed. At the age of 10, he became an orphan. He went to live with his brother, an organist, where he learnt piano or keyboard skills. This later led to him becoming an organist at St Boniface Church in Arnstadt. This is around 1703, so he would have been about 18. This role gave him a regular salary and was responsible for providing music for services, events, as well as giving music instruction. It is said that he was quite arrogant and that he did not get along well with his students and was scolded by officials for not rehearsing frequently enough. I imagine at that age, you know, just coming into your first occupation and a load of pressure was upon yourself and that you were given a, he was given a role and of responsibility in teaching others. He probably didn't want to teach others and it probably led to him being not there, which is not very professional, but this is what has been said by others. He ends up leaving the church for a few years later without any notice to to go to a different church where his works were more complex for the church. After a year working in Mulhausen, Bach became an organist at the court of the Duke Wilhelm Ernest in Weimar. Some of his best compositions for organ were produced while working for the Duke. So, at a young age, he ends up having a significant position in the church to go to a different church Where his works aren't considered valued. They're considered too complex for what would be the church standards. But it led to someone seeing potential in him, and by a person in a high standing senior position with power, with money. One of the compositions that came out from being in this position was the Decatur and Fugue in D minor. a great piece of work by Bach, the Toccata and Fugue in D minor, and the fact that it's still played to this day is quite extraordinary. If we look into it, the Toccata it's derived from the Italian "toccare," meaning to touch, and there's this fast arpeggio runs up and down the keyboard, very free form. In Bach's day cartas were introductions to fugues to build it up. In this case, it is very intricate composition to then be followed by the fugue. The fugue is technically characterized by overlapping repetition, a principal theme in different melodic lines this is known as counterpoint bark was a master of counterpoint and i have touched upon it on my instagram which is at hrh.music it's one of my first tip tuesday videos i recommend you definitely go and watch that As I mentioned, the Italian term for toccata, the reason is to help understand the meaning, but also that Bach was being implemented by Italian music. Between 1720 and 1730, this is where he wrote Passions and the Goldberg Variations these are some of his most important works with the new italian style that had invaded germany it was making his work appear outdated it's almost if he was ahead of his time to find that 15 20 years later italian style was in germany and it had already moved on from it as he was using a italian music for the toccata. Once again, Bach is criticised. It must have been infuriating, you know, to be told that it is not good enough. Yet, since the 19th century, we've considered him to be the best composer in the Baroque era. The reason for Bach being one of the best composers in the Baroque era was not only for creating Counterpoint and the vast amounts of compositions that are still listened to this day, but also for giving the basis guide for pianists with the publishments of the well-tempered clavier. Both books were widely circulated in manuscript but printed copies were not made until 1801 by free publishers at a similar time. It was composed in the early 1720s and at the time he was director of the chamber music to the Prince Leopold of Anhalt Coffin. The prince had a passion for music and hired him from the Duke Wilhelm Ernest in his early 30s. Now, to be considered and offered a position by a prince in your own country is something to be ecstatic by, you know, f- for myself to think that potentially in ten years' time, you know, you know, looking at it in today's terms, if as myself as a pianist would be playing for Prince William in ten years' time, that would be quite some achievement. <laughs> um. But, anyways. The well-tempered clavier is an important work by Bach as it introduces players to all 24 major and minor keys. Each set contains 24 pairs of prelude and fugue. The first pair is in C, second in C minor, C sharp major and so forth. It rises in a chromatic pattern continuing into every key finishing with B minor fugue. If we look at the first work of the well-tempered clavier, prelude and fugue in C major, the prelude consists of mostly broken chords. The harmony changes with exception at every bar. It's the effortless of this piece that makes it exquisite. Although this piece better suits the piano, with incorporation of the pedal to give the juice a light touch and fluidity. It would have suited the harpsichord easily as you move through the keys. Personally, I find that it's best to keep the movement going on the harpsichord rather than getting that sort of harsh sound. The fugue is a definite answer to the prelude, incorporating that counterpoint of voices, especially opening with it, Which is seen as unusual, as the subject and answer do not regularly alternate, but follow one another. It's quite clear to say that Bach never kept to the standard rules for how to create music. He kept being true to himself and writing what he wanted. These two books have definitely established a tuning system that we use today. Musicians were using various tuning systems at that time. They were branches of what is called just tuning. In just tuning, intervals are tuned to pure mathematical ratios. For example, an octave is 2-1, a fifth is 3-2, a fourth is 4-3, etc. However, pure tuning, which began being used around 1450, had serious limitations namely that all the intervals can be tuned perfectly. Some authors have slightly different ratios for some of these intervals, and that just scale actually defines more notes than we usually use. For example, the augmented fourth and the diminished fifth, which are assumed to be the same in the table, are actually not. I can't imagine using this system in today's standards. Although Bach did not create equal temperament, or we believe that he was not using equal temperament, he did describe how we should expect the keyboard instrument to be tuned by his inscription written at the top of the manuscript. Bach's works were enjoyed relatively with little appreciation in his lifetime. Majority of his works were not published and we are lucky that pianists Mozart, Beethoven were inspired by his compositions. After his death, he received abuse within reputation having fallen out of favour. This was by German composer Felix Mendelssohn, who in 1829 reintroduced Bach's passion according to St. Matthew. Bach's main reputation was not as a composer, but as a gifted organ player and improviser. He died in Leipzig on the 28th of July 1750, at the age of 65. This is quite astonishing as we explore other pianists in episodes to come, that he was fortunate to live a longer life. Although Bart did not get to live and see and play the forte piano, which we know as the piano, he was definitely a founding father for what was to come. thank you all for listening to Piano Writers and Works. Don't forget to follow on social media at hrh.music on Instagram and TikTok to get the exclusive behind the scenes. See you all in the next episode. Bye.